So we are, uh, we're starting a new series today. We're glad it's our, it's our 20th anniversary, and we actually, our birthday, it's not an anniversary, right? Birthday, we're birth, yeah, 20th birthday. And, um, and we're starting a series, and the series is called Small's Next Big Thing. And uh, we strategically wanted to talk about this at this point in time for our church. Um, and and we'll, so we're going to talk about different ways that, that we actually, we worship the big, but God's movement is, is in the small. And, uh, and so today we're going we're gonna to start taking a look at that. But I wanted to start by asking this question. Isn't it, um, isn't it sort of true that we're, we're led to believe that bigger is better, right? I mean, that's, it's a phrase we even use, bigger is better. And so, you know, things keep getting, getting more supersized, right? The, the value meal, you know, you can have it regular, large, or like, please, I want to die in the next hour sized, Right? Um, and so, I mean, there's even, there's even television shows that are dedicated to nothing but monster foods, right? Have you, have you seen, like, the, um, the, the, the Therminator, right? The burger uh, at Thurman's or, or those kinds of things. We celebrate these big things. Um, there's a pizza place that's right around the corner from our house that, uh, that off and on, they don't, they don't always have all the supplies they need, but off and on, they sell a pizza that is three feet, like, around, and it's like this whole thing that they do. Bigger is better, right? And we sort of, we sort of do it with, uh, we, we, uh, we, we chase bigger um, without necessarily sensing the need for justifying it. That, that if it's bigger, that that's a sign that it's better. But there's all kinds of things that we know that bigger is not necessarily better. Uh, a few in my life, like bigger bills. Who wants bigger bills, Right? Bigger waist size, mine keeps getting bigger. I'm not happy about that. Okay, so but but we have this sort of so now we have this sort of cultural backlash against bigger is better, and there's a whole thing now on micro living. Have you seen this? You know, you know, tiny houses and and tiny food. There are people that make little tiny plates of food and eat them, and it's it becomes like this whole ordeal for them to 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 live to live micro with. And there's sort of embedded in that, there's this assumption then that, that, yes, okay, we acknowledge that bigger isn't necessarily better, but, but at the same time, um, the person that's, that's pursuing micro for the sake of just simply saying no to bigger, they, they wind up bowing at, at, the, at the altar of just a different God, okay? We wind up pursuing smaller just for the sake of pursuing smaller without any intention, and what we want to talk about over the next month, it'll be four Sundays, we want to talk about is, is there value, is there real value in a simpler life? Is there real value in, in living in a way that is less than what maybe I could do, but, but it's right? We want to talk about words like satisfaction. We want to talk about, uh, about what, what constitutes a better life. The, um, the scriptures use, use words like flourishing. What does it mean for us to flourish? And we sort of define success and flourishing around ideas like, like accumulating. But, but the scriptures give us a different picture. And so we want over the next month, we want over the next four weeks, we want to ask you to be very serious about what, what it would mean, what it would mean for you to, to really deal with this question of, of, of do I need more? Do I need more? We see in John chapter 10 that Jesus, is, he cares about this issue, this idea of, of abundance. 
And, and he's in, in, his, in his teaching to his disciples, he says, I've come that you can have life and that you can have it abundantly or, or like life that overflows, it, 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 life that pours out, not just sort of like being alive, but you can have it in abundance. And, and we've taken that and sort of interpreted it in different ways. And oftentimes when we think about abundance, we, we sort of categorize and we put it in these categories. And one category of abundance I think that we wrestle with a lot is, is economic advancement. Okay? Economic advancement. We think that, that if I can accumulate more, if I can gather more, that that's an abundant life. That's a life that's, a life that's flourishing. So I'm, so I'm sort of preoccupied with gathering things to myself to, 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 to expand how much I've got. And so we're going to spend time in this series discussing, is it necessary to grow your castle, to have more stuff and bigger things? And we'll take some time with that. But another area where, where we have a tendency to think about, about bigger is better, or we, we sort of buy into this way of life, is in, is in what, I mean, grossly we might call it popularity. But as we get older, we realize, like, well, popularity is for middle school, right? No offense to middle school, but, but like, we, we sort of, we outgrow that. But then it becomes notoriety, like people knowing me, people acknowledging my accomplishments, people that, people that, that know that I'm someone who gets things done or I'm someone who excels in a certain area in ways that, that are, are noteworthy. And so we're going to spend time in this series talking about that, that question of, is, is it necessary that, I, that my conquests that are, are known, that, that my victories are widely known by others? Is it, is it really important for us to be bigger in that area? Another area where I think, the third area where we really struggle with this is in, is in the realm of power. That, that really, okay, so people may not know who I am, and I may not necessarily have all this stuff, but I, I can control my world. I've got more control of my world than, than, than others around me, or I've got enough control of my world that, that I, can, I can control and, and manipulate in ways that get me what I want. And maybe what I want isn't money. And maybe what I want isn't to be known, but I'm getting what I want. And in, in the meantime, I've expanded what we're calling my army, that I, I have people around me that obey what I, what I tell them to do. And so we're going to take time in those areas, but today we want to set the stage by looking at the system of the world that we live in and what Jesus had to say about it. And I just want to start by saying this, that, that we live in a system that leads us to believe that flourishing and significance require a larger footprint, right? That if I'm going to flourish or be significant, then my influence, my, like, my, my consumption, it has to be bigger than it currently is. If it's not, if my kingdom isn't expanding then I'm not significant. I'm not important. And, and again, we, that's a crass way of saying it, but that's what we do on, on Sunday mornings, right? We try to take the subtleties of the ways we think and try to make them explicit. What, what, what we do so often is, is we put out versions of ourselves that, that get us what we want but may not necessarily represent who we are and almost certainly don't benefit us in the long run. 
that we, we've, tried to, we've tried to amass things in a way that, that, that helps us believe that we're somehow winning because of that. And I say this as someone whose, whose family has just evacuated the Tampa-St. Pete area in Florida. Things will, will, will come and go. There are forces that are beyond our control. And, and, when, and, and we, can't, we can't count on that. It's the things of this world weren't given to us in order to, to, to produce some sort of sense of accomplishment. But we do that. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at um, the, the ways that we measure success. And, and today being our 20th birthday, I thought it was a good time for us to even stop here and say for, for the 20 years and actually beyond that, that folks have been, have, have been a part of Life Community Church or prior to that, the Suburban West Project even, we, we had an assumption. We had an assumption. And, and the assumption is that, that if God blesses in big ways, that's completely up to him. But, but the real power of the Spirit isn't just in the size of what's going on. That bigger isn't always an indication of God's hand. It may be, but it's not always. And we also believe that very, very big changes, enormous, miraculous changes, take place in the lives of people individually, almost quietly, amongst a group of folks who aren't broadcasting it, but they're just living those miraculous changes together in community that so many times the really big things to the outside observer, they seem pretty small. It's a part of our, our ethos. It's a part of the fabric of who we are. And so we've, we sort of look at verses like 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, First of all, I urge that supplications, requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions. Why do we pray for kings and those in high positions? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul says, Paul says look, pray for those in power, not so that you, that power can be passed down to you, no. That you can live a peaceful and quiet life. He reiterates, Paul reiterates that in his letter to the, to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. There's this thread through the scriptures that says, that says it matters that you live a certain type of life, that the structure and the framework of your life are important. And if the structure and the framework of our lives is this ever-expanding addition after addition, we're sort of missing... The, the, the real spirit of what we're told here in these passages. What we're told is that the best life isn't necessarily a life of accumulation. The best life isn't necessarily a life that, that gathers people and an army around them to do their bidding. That the best life isn't even a life where, <clears throat> where I'm known by the masses. That's not how we measure success. We measure success by quiet, steady, sort of almost invisible 
ways of life. Peace, unity, harmony. And this is the, this is the thread of the scriptures as we, as we find them when it comes to this issue of the size of the life that we ought to be pursuing. And so we've just, we're just tipping our hand with this, the title of this series. We think that small is the next big thing. We often sit around waiting for God's big movement. And the fact of the matter is, the truth is this. God has moved in powerful and significant ways. He's opened up channels of that power, and he's invited us to participate in it. But it might not look the way we think that it will. And so I'd like for you to turn to your Bible. If you've got a Bible, would you turn to Luke chapter 9? Luke chapter 9. And if you're on your phone, you can actually find it on today's card on mylcc.info, by the way. Shameless plug. Okay. <clears throat> you can find the, a, a link to the scripture there. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 9. This is a, this is a section of scripture that is um, it's really at the center of the Gospels. And um, in Luke chapter 9, <clears throat> we find that, um, that it, this, this happens in this, this uh, account occurs in each of the three what are called synoptic gospels, or the gospels that are seen together in harmony, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we have this moment in each of these gospels where the story of Jesus is kind of, it's building, it's swelling. And, and he's, kind of, he's slowly revealing who he is to those around him. And, and again, this is in all three Gospels, this is a, this is a, uh, there's an account of this. But in, in Luke chapter 9, there's this moment where, where Peter, um, Peter, he proclaims that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one anointed by God to, to solve our problem of, of disconnection from, to God. And, and, and Peter makes that proclamation. And Jesus then goes on from there to say, by the way, this, I'm going to suffer. Like, this is, these are the next steps. And then in Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at, we're going to start, we're just going to look at four verses. We're going to start at verse 23. At verse 23. And it says this. This is Jesus. And he, he says to all, all that are present there, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's this statement that Jesus makes. The proclamation has been made that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And and if you're the the Messiah, if you're the Christ, there's there's implications for that. It It means if you're the Christ, you're the king, you're in charge, you have sole authority. It means that you are the one who's going to make it right for everyone. It means that you are the path for me to have a better life. And Jesus, in, in the telling of this, Jesus' next instructions to his followers are this. This is not like, this is not get aboard the, 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 the fast train. This is not like get on, get on with the ride. This is a life of denial. He says, look, if I'm in charge and you're coming with me, if you're going to be a part of what I'm doing, if you're going to come after me, he says we have to deny ourselves. And he even puts a time frame on it. He says we have to deny ourselves himself and take up his cross daily. 
Now, the cross is a powerful image, right? Because this is prior to Jesus himself dying on the cross, that he says these words. But the cross is a powerful image. Essentially, what you had was an invading kingdom that had come in and had taken over the Jews. And this, the cross was their favorite method of not only infl- or carrying out a death sentence, but of, of inflicting punishment in ways that was meant to be a deterrent for rebellion. The idea being, as you walk along, as you go along, and you see these people hanging on crosses, you either obey what we have to say, or you wind up in the same place. And so the, the, the message that Jesus gives them here is this. This is what's going to happen. You're gonna, you're, if you follow me and you deny yourself, you're going to wind up in a place that's in conflict with other kingdoms, particularly in their day, the greatest kingdom of, of the day. You're going to wind up in conflict with Rome. You're going to wind up in conflict in a way that is, that is a, it's a type of death, and it's a particularly horrific type of death. And this is the imagery that Jesus saw. We, we joke about this from time to time, but Jesus needed a PR firm, right? Like, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, here's where I'm headed. I'm headed into a world of pain. I'm headed into a world of hurt. And you, too, need to deny yourself and come with me. You've got to set aside your kingdom. You've got to set aside the things that at present matter most to you and come after me. And he says it's daily. This isn't, a, this isn't a, like, the, there's this danger in our thinking when we look at, at, at messages from Jesus like this, where we think, no, I did that. I said that. I acknowledged it. I even, I've even, like, I have made steps that way. But the problem with that line of thinking is that it's all past tense, right? And what Jesus says is this. This is an ongoing choice. It's an ongoing decision. That if you want to follow me, this is the path I'm walking. If you choose to walk with me, you're going to find that you walk this path as well. And you see, it reveals something that's true, is that there's always more of Jesus than we currently have. Take up your cross daily. See, I live with the assumption that, no, when, when, I, when I chose Jesus, I chose the whole thing. I gave everything I had to him. The problem is, at that first point, I have stuff now that I didn't have then. There's things, there's things that are true in my life now that weren't true then. Jesus is all, he's always asking for more, and so every day I'm invited into this way of life. And every day I say yes to him or I don't. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So here's this, this picture that Jesus paints. This is the cost of following me. It's, it's denying self in favor of my way. And then he goes on to give, to give three, four statements, F-O-R, okay? Three, four statements. And I want to look at each one of these in these next few verses. Verse 24, he says this. For, for, what, or for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Okay? So here's this contrast, right? So, so I set out in my life to say, I'm, no, 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 wait a minute. I want, I want what Jesus can give me, but I'm not necessarily sure I want to walk the path of Jesus. I want, the, I want the end result of being with Jesus. I want the reward, but I'm not sure that I'm ready to pay the price for it. And it's, all, as, it's, as, it's as if Jesus knows everything, right? It's as if he anticipates our, our thoughts on this, and he says, to this, he says this to that issue. Wait a minute. It, it's... It's not like you can keep your life anyway. 
It's not like you can hang on to it in a way that your life, the things of your life, the things we're, we're talking about here, your castle, your army, your list of conquests, it's not like you actually get to keep those anyway. And so you, you have a choice to make. You can, you can grasp for this life. You can reach and try and take it. You can try to accumulate. You can try to make it your own. You can try to possess. You can try to build your own kingdom. But you're going to lose that. You can't keep it. And so he, he presents this alternative, and he says this. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find in the end the life that you gave up you've actually obtained more and more life. It's just that it's the same message of John chapter 10, that, that what Jesus has done is he's given us an opportunity to participate in a life that's so much bigger than our own. It's so much bigger than our own. And he goes on. He says this in verse 25. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? So here's this question that's posed, right? What is it, what, to what benefit is it if you become the wealthiest, the most powerful, or the most famous person alive, but the cost of that is your soul, it's yourself, it's, it's, you've given up your life. There's no profit in it, right? You know the story of um, Lonnie Holloway? You probably don't, Okay. In 2009, it's a little older story, but in 2009, Lonnie Holloway was buried in his 1973 Pontiac. Legitimately, he was buried in his 1973 Pontiac in his finest suit, which is appropriate for the occasion. And next to him, in, that, in the front seat of that 1973 Pontiac, were all of his guns. Okay? Lonnie said, when I meet the Lord... I want to be driving that car. That's, it's crazy, right? I mean, I, I hope Lonnie is with our Savior. Okay? He spoke of him. But I can assure you he's not driving his 1973 Pontiac. You see, what we're, what we're, what we're given here is this indication, it's this truth. It's this, it's this universal truth. Everything that we accumulate, everything that we amass, everything that we gather up to ourselves, all of that stuff, it has a termination date. It's not going to outlive us. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be morbid, but the fact of the matter is this, we're all going to die. Oh, it might be soon, but it, and it might be a long way off, but it's happening. And what Jesus says here is, what does it profit you to gain everything this world has to offer? The finest home, the perfect kids, the education. What does it profit you to gain all of that? None of those things are necessarily inherently wrong in and of themselves. But what does it profit you to make them your goal and then to find out at the end that you missed it? You missed it. You've lost the thing that mattered most. And it's a serious question. Obviously. This is, these are the stakes of life and eternity. And what's it all about? And Jesus says, we go back to that initial statement, no, no, you, you, you get life 
by denying yourself. You get life by giving yours away. And if it wasn't hard enough already, in verse 26, he says this, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man, which is him, Jesus, be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. There's three, four statements that are in here. Number one, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. Number two, what good is it anyway if you gain everything, you win in this life and find you've lost in the most important sense of life? And then the third four is this. When we actively arrange our lives in such a way that push Jesus out, he goes ahead and gives us that freedom in a way that he then isn't a part of our life. You see, I wish that I could sugarcoat this. I wish that I could say, well, this isn't really shame or being a sh-, but I don't know what else to say. These are the words of Christ, and they're fairly clear, and I did the whole, I did the whole word study thing, and I, the word ashamed means ashamed. When we, now on the grand scale, it can be things like, like where we say, like, like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, or, or across the line where it's, where it's times like, like, you know, Jesus is, is or, or Christianity or, or Christ is being bad-mouthed and I'm just silent. Or, but, but I think as well, if we go back to verse 25, it's, it's even more than that. It's, it's arranging my life in such a way that Jesus just isn't a part of it. And it's as if what Jesus is saying is, you will get in the next life the, what you've asked for in this one. You'll be given the life in eternity that you've established for yourself in the present, that if we choose, if we choose a life where we're trying to build our kingdom, where that our primary task is to have for myself, that's just incompatible with life with Christ. It's a hard statement. And it's a hard statement for me personally because I, I feel like, good grief, I screw up on this all the time. What am I to do? What am I to do? And so we're presented with some tough questions. We've got tough questions here. Because what Jesus does is he establishes two directions, right? He says, you're either moving towards me or you're moving away from me. Like it's an either or, it's binary. You're either moving towards me or you're moving away from me. There just, there just isn't a middle ground. There isn't a you're kind of holding steady. There isn't a you kind of have enough of me now. You can, you can stop pursuing me. Remember, those that Jesus is talking to here, they, they certainly include his disciples. They certainly include the people that had, that had dropped everything when he said, come follow me. They certainly include the people who would ultimately die as martyrs for the sake of of the mission of Jesus and the truth of the resurrection. But it's binary, but at the same time, it's not either or. Let me explain this. It's binary in that there's a, there's a direction that I'm moving, and I am, and you are. But it's not either or in the sense of there's only, there's only two places, either all the way one way or all the way the other, but rather there's incremental steps 
You see, we are on this path, but, but we're, we are, this is why I think in verse, in verse 23, Jesus says, deny yourself daily. There's an ongoing question that's put before you, and it's put before me. And it's this question of, will I, yes, you, I said yes to Jesus back then. Yes, I said, I said yes to Jesus yesterday. But the question before us now is, will I say yes to him now? Because the world around me is trying to convince me that if I'm going to flourish, if I'm going to be successful and significant, my kingdom has to get bigger. That, that struggle doesn't end because I said yes to Jesus, because I have asked him to, to save me from my sin. That struggle doesn't go away. And so I'm, I'm constantly, and so are you, presented with questions, opportunities, decisions, where I say yes to the kingdom of Christ or yes to the kingdom of Tom Burns. I'm presented with it, yes, daily, but multiple times every day. Am I going to try and get my children to bow to my kingdom or to the kingdom of Christ? Am I going to work for the glory of my accomplishments or am I going to work for the glory of the kingdom of Christ? And that's, it's not a one and done. It's binary in direction, but it's incremental in, the, in its movement. And it's made up of, of all of these imper- almost imperceptible, what we would say, small decisions. And here's the other thing about this, that the path to maturity goes through great failure. We think about the people that heard Jesus say this. We think about the person in Luke chapter 9 who pronounced Jesus as the Christ, Peter. And in short order, Peter was going to stand in front of a slave girl and deny even knowing Jesus. You see, there are, there are incremental steps in each direction. And the, the last step that you and I have made, either towards the Lord, towards Christ, or away from him, is is not the last step. I may have chosen repeatedly, frequently, to to say yes to Christ and his kingdom, to forego things that I might want to build my kingdom. But it doesn't mean I'm I'm not going to be presented with the choice again very soon. And it doesn't mean that in that instance, I'm not prone to saying yes to me And no to him. You see, the temptation to make my kingdom bigger is ever-present. It's ever-present. And it's why he tells us, it's why he tells us, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. No matter where we are in that journey, no matter what point we're starting from, there's going to be more. Now, so what do we do with this? The reality is what it is, okay? The reality is what it is. Christ, is, he's, he's, given us, he's given us an ultimatum. You walk with me or you don't. You walk towards me or you walk away from me. But what do we do with it? And here's the, this, is, this is where the tension of all of this really hits me. I've already, I already told you, this is not easy. And I, I'm tempted even with my limited resources to try and build my own kingdom. And I fail. But there's this question. And the question is, what do we do about it, Right? What do we do about it? It's, you may say, like, okay, like, I, I assent, I agree. 
I'm guilty of trying to build my own kingdom instead of Christ. Now what? And this is where the tension hits for us because I don't, around here, another thing that marks us is that we just don't believe in, in formulas, right? Do you know, you know the meal in a box? Anybody do the meal in a box? You sign up online and they send you a box of food and a recipe. There's a lot of times that I want a meal in a box for my Christianity. I just want to like, I just want to go online and click a button and have, have, have Jesus send me like, okay, follow this plan for today and you'll be headed towards me. And doggone it, he doesn't do that. He gives me his word and says, dwell here. He gives me his people and says, invest here. He gives me the spirit and he says, obey. But there just isn't a formula. And so I can't give you a formula, but I can do this. And we're going to do this together. I can't give you a formula, but I can, we, can, we can point a direction and say, I'm certain. I'm certain that this is the direction where Christ is found. I'm certain that this is the path that Christ has walked. Okay? And so here's what we're going to do. In this series, in this series, this series is actually shaped and formed around another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. And on the way out, you're going to get a card that looks like this, assuming you take one. Okay? You're going to get a card. It's a little card. But it actually has the text of Matthew chapter 6, where we find the Lord's Prayer. And as you look at those words, as you look at those words, it's the Lord's Prayer shapes an orientation. It's a calibrating prayer. It's not just give me, give me, this is what I want. It's actually asking for, for certain things to be true in my life. And so... We believe, and we're going to do this together, but we believe that, that investing our time and attention in what God has said and in God's people, listening to the Spirit of God, we actually believe that we'll start to flourish even with a smaller kingdom. My kingdom will shrink. As John the Baptist said when presented with the reality of Jesus, he said, I have to get smaller, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. So we're going to invite everyone to begin this, this journey towards a smaller kingdom through the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to read through this to sort of wrap up this morning, and I'm going to make the Lord's Prayer our prayer. Okay? Would you pray this with me? Okay? Feel free to pray... I know it's awkward. Feel free to pray it out loud if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. But, but focus on this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You're going to get this card. I'm going to ask you to do something with it. Put it somewhere where it's going to be in front of your eyes regularly each day. Begin to memorize it. Say it. It's short, right? Say it to yourself. Pray it to the Lord. Ask for this dynamic to be true, that his kingdom will come, 
that rather than building a bigger castle, that he provides our daily needs. That rather than trying to manipulate people around me, I forgive the debts of those around me. And that rather than than wandering into evil aimlessly and pointlessly, that I give my time to him. That he directs my steps. All right. We've got some good stuff. That that is our prayer, okay? That is our prayer. We've got some good stuff. And and, uh, in an abrupt turn of course, we've got some friends that are going to come up and join us, I think. Because it is our uh, 20th birthday here at Life Community Church. And we want to celebrate what God has done. As we, as we invite you into this, this uh, life with Christ, as we invite you into a, a kingdom orientation, we do want to celebrate what God has done around here in so many, so many times in small ways. But every once in a while, there's things that popped up that we can all remember. So with that, amen. <laughs>